Hello and welcome to episode 22.5 of Knee Deep in Tech. I'm Alexander and today I'm all alone as my partner in crime, Simon, is enjoying the lovely weather in Orlando. And of course he's at Ignite and I'm not. But since there has been so many interesting things coming out of Ignite, I decided to take it on my own to do a very short recap of what's come out that is relevant to me. And since I primarily work with the data platform stuff, there has been a ton of stuff coming out just this week. So let's start from the beginning and with 2017, SQL Server 2017 coming out on October the 2nd. There's a lot of stuff gonna come out October 2nd. And of course, SQL Server 2017 will run on both Windows and Linux and also will seamlessly run on Docker. And that's very, very interesting for lightweight setups. There's a ton of new things and the most interesting things are usually uh, the adaptive query processing, which means that the query processor now can try again after it has kind of failed to uh, estimate the number of, of um, megabytes or gigabytes that a memory, uh, the, the, um, a query needs, and so on and so forth. But keep in mind, though, a, a lot of these the specific new features for 2017 are enterprise only. So don't get lured by the fact that SQL Server 2016 SP1 gave us a lot of interesting enterprise features in Standard Edition. There's a lot of new things that are enterprise only. Keep that in mind. There is also a public preview of the managed database instance, which is pretty much a lift and shift with the regards to SQL Server in the cloud. We've previously had the Azure SQL Server, which is a complete managed SQL Server instance, so to speak, but with some limitations. Chief among them is the lack of the, um, the agent, for instance. So now it's going to be an Azure database managed instance or SQL database managed instance, which is a pretty much an expansion to the service and gets put straight between a VM with SQL Server and a straight Azure SQL Server managed SaaS thing. With this also comes a hybrid benefit and the hybrid benefit is a way to reuse on-premises SQL Server licenses to run database as a service in Azure. This is probably going to mean serious savings compared to moving to, to other clouds. Okay, what's more coming up? Oh, there is a lot. Finally, the virtual network integration for Azure Storage and Azure SQL Server has been announced. This has been in a private preview for quite some time. And this is one of the things that has been very high on the list for quite a few of my customers. They have all lamented the lack of integration between virtual networks and Azure SQL Server. But now you can put an Azure SQL Server in a VNet and pretty much keep it from getting accessed from anywhere outside that virtual network. Very, very welcome. And moving on with interesting things, the Azure Data Factory version two was also announced. 
And this kind of turns the whole ADF on its head as the differences between ADF and SQL Server integration services get somewhat blurred. So these days we can do pretty much more general purpose hybrid data integration uh, as opposed to ADF version one, which was more designed as a batch data processing and primarily of time series data. So we're really looking forward to putting the ADF version two through its paces as I think it's going to be very interesting to um, kind of sidestep the whole requirement for SSIS on premises. We don't know exactly what it's going to mean yet since I haven't had time to toy with this, but trust me, it's going to be awesome. And then I saw that John Deerdorf had put up a thing on, on Twitter, so I checked it out. And we have a couple of new exams and certification paths for Azure job roles. We used to have exam 533, 34, and 32 as the main Azure um, certifications. But 537, which is configuring and operating a hybrid cloud with Microsoft Azure Stack, is coming out, as is 38, implementing Microsoft Azure DevOps solutions. That's going to be very interesting. And 539, managing Linux workloads on Microsoft Azure, is also going to be very interesting. So as usual, you do two exams to become, or sorry, one exam for the certified professional, two exams for the certified solutions associate. In this case, you would be a cloud platform and yet another exam for your certified expert MCSC. And keep in mind that the MCSE is, I wouldn't say valid for one year, but it kind of requires renewal every year. And that's just the way it is. And I personally think that is a good thing. Then we have one of the, my, my favorite toys these days, Power BI. And there are a ton of new things coming out of Power BI as well. And especially the, uh, the larger enterprise grade scalability and performance with Power BI Premium. Now, I have a bit of an issue with Power BI Premium. And as you've heard before on this podcast, I think it is way, way too big. As it is right now, I think it's somewhere around 500 Power BI licenses before you actually see a cost value benefit for Power BI Premium. And considering the rather hefty price tag of Power BI Premium, I'd really love for the SKUs to come down a bit. That would simplify my work as a consultant considerably. If we were to see a smaller version of Power BI Premium, targeted to smaller uh, companies, I'm pretty sure that I could sell a ton of the Power BI Premium tomorrow. Because what we are going to see is, for instance, external distribution of Power BI apps, also coming in October. This means that it is based on Azure Active Directory, so you can share your Power BI apps, or the uh, apps was usually, was previously called content packs, into Azure Active Directory, meaning that external users don't need to remember an extra password. They can sign on using their own organization's security credentials. So it's pretty much as um, Azure business to business or business to consumer as, as already is. 
We can also, coming October, start pushing Power BI apps to end users automatically. That means it's easier to control what's available for each and every um, Power BI user. That's very interesting. One thing that didn't quite receive as big um, discussion as, as I think it's worthy of is the fact that Power BI Desktop will also be available in the Windows Store. That means that enterprises can easily push the latest version of Power BI Desktop to their end users, which means that everyone will be uh, accessing the latest and greatest features. And as they continue to improve Power BI Desktop, all the existing installations will automatically be updated without the need for administrative rights. That has been a bit of a headache for quite some time. And I can't remember the times that I've had to upgrade and had to, or had to, um, when I kind of needed to do it when I least expected it. And let's keep in mind that Power BI Desktop is updated such uh, with such a frequency that it's very, very important to, to make sure you have the latest and greatest versions. And the interesting thing is that the Azure SQL Server connected to VNet and ADF version 2 was two of the um, biggest hurdles to one of my clients uh, working with, with Azure. We have been working with them for quite some time and we had designed a solution that kind of expected both of these features to be in place, hoping they would be in place when it was time for the um, POC. And <laughs> come to think of it that this week, me and my colleagues in, in the other companies that were working with this are sitting down and doing exactly that. So the timing could not have been better. Very, very happy. I'm very bummed that I couldn't attend um, Ignite this year, and I will definitely try to do so next year, since the experience last year was amazing, and I'm quite sure that the, the guys, when they come home, have a lot of things to say about this year's Ignite. I am going to go to Japan for two weeks, starting Tuesday next week, so I'll be kind of out of the loop. I'm not sure if Simon will do a uh, 0.5 episode on his own or if we're just going to wait until I come back to do a huge recap of Ignite and whatever happened between here and there. Oh yeah, and, uh, and final thing to mention, the uh, new plan maintenance experience for your virtual machines. It basically means that you have better control and better visibility on what maintenance is going to be performed on your virtual machines. It has been a bit of a hassle previously, so any any change towards the better is, is a good thing. I also recommend you to take a look at Andrew Brust's review of SQL Server 2017, as the number of things that 2017 adds that kind of flies under the radar is just staggering. And of course, anything written by um, Bob Ward is also a very good read. His series on SQL Server just runs faster is exceptional. 
and I'm sure he's going to start producing things related to SQL Server 2017 as well. And the thing is, running on Linux can be quite interesting for shops that have no um, Windows machines. And of course, the main competitor on Linux has been Oracle or MySQL, which is incidentally also Oracle. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Oracle will respond to this kind of shot across the bow. Keep in mind though, as I said to the beginning, a lot of things are enterprise specific and look long and hard at the feature sets before you decide on which SQL Server you, you want. And for a final thing, if you're working with data science, SQL Server 2017 includes a lot of interesting things with regards to data science. When it comes to SQL Server R services, it came in in 2016. In 2017 adds support for the Python programming language as opposed to just the, the R language. So I will see you in approximately three weeks and I hope you have a great time. See you then.